Hello, welcome to Playful Joy, a parenting podcast without the guilt. I'm Charlene Nicole, and I, for those of you who are listening for the first time, I am a teacher um, for about 10 years now, and I have my early childhood education certificate, so before becoming a teacher and while I put myself through school to become a teacher, I taught in preschools and daycares, and a lot with um, students with special needs. That interested me a lot. Um, That's just a little background about me and why I chose to start this podcast is I really wanted parents to connect in a way that was not shaming and blaming, but a place to get some ideas and maybe just share some funny stories. Today, um, I'm speaking with Catherine Roscoe Barr, who is a health and wellness expert and the founder of Global Wellness Coaching, which is named The Life Delicious. Um, This company empowers people to apply the science of health and happiness and productivity through, she does group retreats, corporate workshops, and keynote speeches. And if you go onto her website, which I did at thelifedelicious.ca, you can see her many appearances on TV and her numerous publications. She's written for Canadian Living, BC Business, BC Living, Monte Cristo, and many more. She can be found on Twitter at Life Delish, on Instagram at Life Delish, and Facebook um, at The Life Delicious. So um, without further ado, here is my chat with Catherine. I hope you like it. Catherine Roscoe Barr, and we met at a wellness retreat that I took with her at the Oak Bay Beach Hotel in Victoria, which was beautiful, a beautiful resort, and um, lucky you, she's doing it again next year, um, this similar time of year, January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. Um, it was an amazing retreat. Thank you for that. It was, You're welcome. Yeah, Thanks it was wonderful. Um, and the first thing that kind of struck me was when you shared your story about how you did your Bachelor of Neuroscience, then you changed your mind and became a personal trainer, which is so different, and then now creator and owner of Life Delish and a wellness coach. Do you want to kind of tell a story about how that came to be? Yeah, and I hope that for anyone with a very winding road to finding out what they wanted to be when they grow up, that it it will help them. Because in retrospect, everything I've done prepared me for what I do now. But at the time, I felt like I was a square peg trying to fit in round holes. I did my neuroscience degree. It was very competitive and cutthroat. Um, And while I was doing that, I was going to fitness classes. And one day I thought, hey, if I get certified, I can teach the classes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did. And then I found fitness. And I thought I wanted to pursue a career where I was promoting health rather than treating disease. And so after I graduated with my neuroscience degree, I started um, as the fitness director at a retirement home, which was an incredible lesson in what you do. The small things you do every day determine what you will be like Mm -hmm. in old age, throughout your life in an old age. And I saw the people who were active physically, who were connected with people who had a strong social circle, who were doing all the things I talk about now in the Life Delicious. There was such a huge divide between those people's mental, physical, and spiritual health and the, the not very good health of the other people who hadn't taken care of themselves. So as a newly married, newly adult person, it was such a great way to start to see like, wow, it really matters what you do. Um, and so I dabbled in fitness for a while um, at different gyms and 
Um, I worked in college athletics and university athletics and sort of big gyms and small gyms. Um, and then I just got super burnt out because I felt like I wasn't impacting people in the way I wanted to. People had would come to me and say, here are my goals. And I would say, well, here's what you need to do. And they would have trouble doing it. And yes. not only did they have trouble doing it, but I was having trouble doing it. Yeah. I wasn't sticking to a healthy eating plan. I wasn't sleeping well. Mm-hmm. I wasn't connecting with people who lifted me. I wasn't exercising regularly as a personal That's trainer, a personal trainer. someone with a neuroscience degree yeah. it was crazy so yeah. I had to take a step back and say I gotta figure this out for myself before I can really influence mm-hmm. people and so yeah I took a turn I became a writer I thought I don't want to work with people anymore I'm just burnt out I want to <laughs> be alone done. in my pajamas awesome. and write and so I started writing about food and wine and cocktails and that didn't make me feel super healthy so I while well, I love to do that still I started really doing research on wellness and that's when I one day sort of came to the conclusion like okay I'm actually well now I feel really good and it didn't feel hard to get here what did I do and so I reverse engineered it created what I now call my curriculum started the life delicious and that was in 2013 nice oh that's so amazing I love what you said how you reverse engineered it and that was one of my favorite parts of your um retreat was when you said to just be a scientist of your own life yeah and uh, I feel like if, if you want to get better at anything, the, one of the really big things you need to do is self-reflection. Yes. And in a non-judgmental way, like this is a, this is a no shame, no yes. blame yes. parenting I podcast. Say that. <laughs> I mean, we all, we're going to make mistakes, right? Yeah. There's, you're doing something you've never done before. No one yeah. teaches you how to be a parent. Oh man, it's there's the hardest no, thing ever. Yeah, I know what you're saying. There's like, the, what's the course you take before you have a baby? Um, I forget what the classes are called. Yeah, like prenatal Prenatal, classes? thank yeah. you. Yeah, there's prenatal. So like, okay, yeah. you're going to have this baby. Here's how to put a diaper on. Yeah. And then, see ya. Bye. <laughs> there's nothing else. Yeah, here's the baby. Go there's home now. There's nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> so um, um, maybe you can share some ways you've done that with Bronwyn. Like, I know um, I shared last uh, podcast how I had, like, smacked my son on the hand. And we talked about how you parent the way you're parented in those, like, worst moments you're done you've tried every tool in your tool shed and you have nothing left and I feel like that's when we parent the way we were parented and we have to watch it because it just it happens and then but what I did after it was like he was crying I was crying it was not we were not better it didn't work either I I forget I forget what I was even trying to get him to stop doing oh I think throwing his food on the floor which I shared on Instagram he did for such a long time I'm done and if we didn't listen food everywhere uh yeah and then um so that's what I kind of did I just had to reflect on it like is this working no it wasn't even working I mean had it been working you might make a case for doing that again but how did we feel after we were both just broken we were it wasn't good so then I just went okay well I don't want to I don't want to do that again maybe even if it had worked I might not have continued because yeah so I loved that part of your retreat and then um, have you used that as a, being a, a new a new mom? Yes, I try to remind myself every day to use the tools I teach because I originally created my curriculum for myself because I was so broken mm-hmm. and I only started sharing it because I told a friend and she was like, I need those tools too. And I was like, I think mm-hmm. I'm too broken to help you. And she was like, no, I need you need to start now. And so yeah. that's something that you need to remember. If you have a passion and a gift you want to share with the world, you have to just start if you feel that fire within you, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you're not qualified. Right. Because I can't remember who, I feel like it was um, Rebecca Campbell who wrote um, Light is the New Black. Um, I think it was her. Yeah. She said something along the lines of the greatest teachers are those who have failed and failed and failed and failed. Yes. Because you 
when you learn it, you learn it yeah. good. Yes. Um, and so I, with Bronwyn, I try and remind myself about my nervous system, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the, the inspiration for my mm-hmm. curriculum is, okay, it's a science experiment. Yeah. Science is knowledge gained through observation and experimentation. Yes. And if you are mindful, which just means conscious of how your thoughts, words, and actions make you feel, mm-hmm. then every mistake is a learning, is a teachable moment. Yeah. Yes, a teachable moment. <laughs> Teachers know? love that. And no, so true. there's no failure. You have to see it as no failure because it's so yeah. hard. And at, at least for myself in the beginning, we don't have any family in town. My husband was working insane hours. It was mm. really just, just me you. alone with a baby that I had no idea yes. what to do with. And so I just went back to the, literally every day I would count on my five fingers, my five pillars. Mm. What have I done for my mind? Yeah. What have I done for my body? What have I put in my body? What have I eaten? Mm-hmm. How have I slept? And who have I connected with? And I would just try and do one thing. So I would say, okay, my mindset is garbage. I feel terrible, like a failure, like I'm the worst version of myself. When I imagined when I became a mother, I would be the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. So that was hugely disappointing. So, okay, okay, what do I know? What does science say about how to change your mindset? Oh, one of the most powerful things you can do on the planet is think about what you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. So every day I would be like, I have to think of three things I'm grateful for. And I would just take a pause and do that. And once I did that, I would feel a little bit better. And then I would move. I think I shared the one-minute energizer with you at my retreat where just for one minute, kind of 10 seconds each, we bounced up and down, we shook our bodies, we twisted, we expanded, and then we breathed. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal was to do the one-minute workout twice a week. That was my only goal in the first really six months. Who works out after having a baby? I mean, you can't at first. And then, I mean, you just don't want to. I feel like every moment if the baby's sleeping you just want to sleep and then you're not you're doing all the other things yeah right? you're the doing dishes the other and the laundry things and the, yeah and or maybe just watching netflix because you're completely <laughs> like you're just, just done done and you just need to be entertained for a moment yeah. but yeah i love that but it's just one minute that was yeah that was a great takeaway too was just to do a little bit right if you you Everything can't you're counts. not going to make it to the gym after you have a baby you know some people do i'm maybe sure you are i'm sure great you just, good for you yeah. <laughs> but i wasn't i wasn't yeah. able to no. um my first birth was a c-section and a very difficult recovery like <sighs> i couldn't even standing up off the couch was a workout for me and it hurt every single time for I don't even know, six weeks. Mm-hmm. We had to move. We moved the one couch from the front room into the other living room where we always hang out because the one in there was too low. And I could not, I knew what it was like to be old. I think that's, I yes. still believe that's why women age more gracefully. Like we accept it because yeah. we've been there already. Like yeah. I felt yes. like I was 90. I know. I was tired. Yeah. I couldn't get up. I was groaning and moaning. Your spine was hunched. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All those things. All and things. men never experience that, I don't think, unless they've <laughs> had the an injury degree. or something. Yeah. But most, a lot of women experience that. So I, I feel like that's, that's so why true. we're like, oh yeah, I remember yeah. this. Yeah. I remember <laughs> what happened when I was. Yeah. But yeah, if you just can do something small in Anything. each of those areas. Yeah, just to yeah. create that upward spiral, mm-hmm. just to shift the direction mm-hmm. of where you're going. Yeah. Because I just felt so caught in a downward spiral for well over a year, really. It's like yeah. every every sort of milestone I was like, "Oh, I'll be totally good to go back to work and I'll be just like perfect again by 3 months." Nope. Right. 6 months. Nope. 9 months. Nope. And at 12 mm-hmm. months I really had like a a re-arrival of mm. just like feeling really depressed because I was like, how do I not have my stuff together? My Why kid's a year old. Okay. And yeah. then I just saw the other day someone said, 
my son's five and I'm just starting to feel like myself again. And I was like, whoa. Yes. Like, thank you for being honest. Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. like, I think we need to define postpartum as like 18 years. Plus. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it could be. I think it depends on the, ch- the child too. Yeah. Some children, I... Um, with my daughter, I just was very unconscious, and I just did all the things. I showed up for mommy and me. I was dressed up, and she was in her outfit, and I was in my outfit, and we were faking it like you wouldn't believe. And but then you're you're putting on that face, but you're not okay, yeah. right? And yeah. then you go home, and you're like just drained, and someone says one thing, and you're in tears, and everyone's like, "What happened? Yeah. You were good, and now you're not. Yeah. Why?" And yeah, but that's why it's because. We just yeah. fake it and fake it. And then my son, so my daughter, don't hate me, everyone, slept 12 hours a night <laughs> and a two-hour nap from the time she was like, I don't even want to say, really early. Yeah. Really early she slept through the night. And But just, I didn't do anything. I'm not magical. There's no recipe. I'm sorry, everyone, but they're going to sleep through the night when they sleep through the night, and there's not much you can do. There are certain things, but I don't know. And then my son came along. He didn't sleep. Ever. I feel like he didn't ever sleep ever. And that's my daughter. Yeah. And so then I just couldn't, I couldn't keep up with it all. And you've got another little one. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine what she's she was like. Four and a half. Wow. Which, like, very energetic. Yeah. And just into everything and learning. And, right. Yeah. And wants my attention and love yeah. and everything. And yeah. I'm trying to, yes. Yeah. So that's what got me was like, oh, I can't, I've set this bar, which so high. in truth I wasn't keeping up to, but I was faking it. And now, I can't do it, and then then all the shame and all the yes, feelings of the not shame. being enough mm-hmm. come up because, oh, I threw this big birthday party for Audrey's first, and now Caden got, well, he had a pretty big first birthday, and then his second birthday was my mom, my dad, my brother, <laughs> my sister-in-law, us, and I literally, I honestly, I didn't order a cake. Nope. I made cupcakes and I took his Thomas the Train and put it on top <laughs> with the number one candle, number two candle. That's all I had. That yeah. I was just, I had just burnt myself right out. So I love the idea of like checking in with yourself. Yeah. And just surrendering into, mm-hmm. and it's like, I don't know where I got it. I, it was this old card that I found in an old book I started reading when she was a few months old. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, almost like a tarot card or something. I don't know where I got it from. It said surrender on it. Mm-hmm. And it kept coming up. And I thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I keep feeling like I do surrender to the old me and who I was. And, and yeah, it's this right. process of like, okay, now this is who I am. And as your child changes, it's just so much transition. Right. So it just much keeps transition. happening. Yeah. It keeps happening. I know. Yeah. And I love, I have some friends who have older children, like 14, that sort of preteen, teen age. And they kind of laugh when you're like, it'll get easier. And yeah. they're like, it doesn't. It just changes. I mean, yeah. not that it's always hard, but it's just that things that you're dealing with are just different. Are different. The yeah. children are changing in different ways and unexpected ways and they have bigger problems and you just have to be there, right? And so it's, yeah, yeah. I think that's why we have to keep checking in because it's not, yeah, yeah, there's no, that's like the thing about being joyful is it's not later, it's now. Yes, like taught, you're like either Shawnee joyful says, now. Yes, yeah. the, and the science behind yeah. being joyful in the presence and present and being 
grateful and just the power that that has to shift your mindset in the moment Mm -hmm. makes you more happier in the present but Mm -hmm. also makes you more productive so not only are you more likely to enjoy the present moment you are more likely to achieve your goals faster Hmm. because your energy has changed negative energy is is just a leak from your battery right when you can shift Mm -hmm. your mind like being caught in a negative cycle Mm -hmm. is just it's a huge leech. It's like yeah. wearing a life-size leech on your back. Right. <laughs> just trains you. That was a question I had for you. So in terms of connection, when we connect with other moms, yeah. it often turns to like complaining. I found anyways, <laughs> depending on the people. And so we're always saying like, oh, when they sleep through the night, I'll be better. And then we meet up with our friends and they're like, I only got two hours, like a bar, right? Yeah. Who got the least <laughs> sleep. And yeah. um, how do we balance that with gratitude, do you think? I mean, a little bit of complaining, it's going to happen. I think it's fine. And it's kind of like you need to get it out, right? Sometimes yes. just getting it off our shoulders is good too, like to tell the story about how. I don't know. For example, my son had like such a bad tantrum one time. He was saying, I wanted to drink a water. I want to drink a water. And he was stuck in this loop yeah. of. I want to drink water and he was just crying he was overtired what the only thing I could do to break him from it was get in the tub with him and just like I ran the water thinking that would stop it like it would just snap him out of it and that didn't even work so then we just stripped down we just got in the tub together we both just cried and then we got out and dried off and he went to sleep and I was just like did that just happen like you're what so sharing that the next day well it was my husband but same thing was just I wasn't complaining I just was like that happened and I need to just I need to just tell you about it yes well we talked about emotional flow and emo diversity mm-hmm. having a diverse emotional landscape in the curriculum and that right. is so important to mental and physical health it is yeah. it's energy and if you have something that you need to process and you mm-hmm. don't and you just bury it it will manifest as anger, impatience, rage, mm-hmm. an ulcer, right. something, <laughs> something worse, dis- you know, yeah. dis-ease, exactly, yeah. either mental or physical. And right. so um, I think as women, we are really, I don't know if lucky is the right word, that we yeah, have we have more permission mm-hmm. to talk about our emotions. Definitely. I see socially acceptable. with clients and men I've worked with over the years, um, that they're more prone to have certain diseases because they don't feel comfortable talking about their emotions. And right. emotion has to leave your body somehow. Mm-hmm. And so um, crying is a powerful release of negative energy. Like, mm. how good do you feel after a good cry? Good. Yeah. Amazing. What's the saying? Tears, ocean, yeah. or sweat. Yes. Yeah, yes. It is. Yeah. And so yeah. I think um, having women who you trust, is it Brene Brown? I can't remember, or was it, um, I can't remember now. Someone says that like you, it's so important to share, but the person has to be worthy of hearing your story. That is Brene Brown because yes. she said, when she wrote her books, yes. she's saying, then yes. everyone's like, I want to write a book, but is the world worthy of hearing your story? Yeah. Or, or are the people, you know, are yeah. you ready to share kind are of thing? Are you ready to share? Yeah, she also said, I think it was her, that you should share from a scar and not an open wound. Yes. You have to, That's a good to one. when you share something to the world in a wider place, mm-hmm. not necessarily with your closest friends, that it needs to be something you're kind of like comfortable with or yeah. over and of service. But I like that. That's how I feel. That, I feel like yeah. when I've healed in something, then I can share it to help other people yes. go, oh, that happened to me. And yes. and now I feel like it's okay because, yes, yeah, I dragged my toddler into the tub too one time. <laughs> yeah, and to know <laughs> that a mom that we love and admire 
did that than when we're in the weeds and we're just like, what do we do? I can't think. Yeah. That we're like, oh, Maybe. this is like, I just need to do whatever comes to mind. Right. I think yeah, our it was wisdom, that's your innate wisdom, intuition. right? Your mm-hmm. intuition. Like, your oh, intuition yeah. is so powerful. And when you feel like you don't have the tools, if you can just quiet yourself and listen mm-hmm. to your wisdom, like, you got it. And I think we're all the best parent for our child. Yeah. I really believe, like, <laughs> I'm the best mom for Audrey. I'm the best mom for Kate. You're the best mom for Bronwyn. We yeah. know, and then we let yeah. all the other stuff yeah. clog our mind. And um, that's a good tip that water is so calming for children. I yes. saw that in children with autism love to play in water. And it's interesting working with children with special needs because there's things that they get sort of obsessive about. Yeah. But all children so like water is calming but that works with every child so that doesn't just work with children with autism so these little things that I've learned and I shared another time about bubble timers it's like a timer with colored water that drips down yeah and when Audrey would have a tantrum it was like a timeout but I didn't call it that I just said oh we need to have a timer and we'd set this timer and it's just bubbles that drip but we didn't talk about the fact that she hit me or whatever had happened previously yeah we just went like oh what color do you think is going to win today and oh, I think blue. And what color does it make when the blue and the pink bubbles mix together? And like, I, it's purple. We all, wow. And then two minutes, and we were like, it's like a restart. Yeah. Right. And I like find a... you just put some toys in the sink and they just play in it. It's the same thing. Restart. I'm taking refresh. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those tools are those tools in your tool belt that you can just think of in moments. My mom's so good that still with my brother, I always tease him that if he's getting into mischief my mom will say look at this shiny object (laughs) (laughs) distraction is the best we were just in a restaurant and I forget what was oh Caden was upset that he couldn't have apple juice and my husband kept going back to the apple juice and I was like we're like don't bring it up again (laughs) we're trying to distract him here you're not on the same page (laughs) I'm working on distracting and you're working on yeah (laughs) reminding yeah you're bringing it back up no um I did really want to talk about, um, after you had Bronwyn, um, I said how you fell off the wagon mm. of health and wellness. Yeah. And that's so, I feel like that's such a great way to connect with listeners because you're a health and wellness, like that was your job. That's my you expertise. Created, yes. And, um, and then you still fell off the wagon and I feel like mm-hmm. we all do all the time. We yes. fall off the wagon of healthy eating. We fall off the wagon of connecting with people that lift us up. We mm-hmm. fall, all of those. All the things. Right? And I hadn't fallen off the wagon. It's interesting. It was like a seven-year cycle. Mm. It was, I didn't really finish the story of how the Life Delicious oh, yeah. came to be. So okay. when I left fitness and mm-hmm. became a writer, which I shared this with you at the retreat, I was like in a rock-bottom place. I was not mm. following any healthy advice of my own or anyone else's. And I, I, when I was 30, I was just like, this is, I, I can't go on living like this. The my mental pain I had created for myself through my daily habits mm-hmm. was so painful I I couldn't go on living and so I went on a journey to try and heal myself and that's when I reverse engineered how I got there because I, I did um, and so that was seven years prior to having my daughter and between that time and when I had her mm-hmm. I I would I was confident I was the healthiest happiest person I knew I was just mm-hmm. I was truly authentically just happy and healthy and so I was like oh I'm gonna be such a great mom and I think that was the most disappointing and embarrassing Mm. and devastating thing for me that I was the worst version of myself when I had her because I um had a traumatic birth and we didn't really have anyone 
close to us supporting us. And my mm-hmm. husband went back to work like 60, 70 hours a week. And it was just oh, me. Wow. And I didn't know what to do with a child. And yeah. she was not a good sleeper. And I couldn't figure out breastfeeding at first. Like there was just so Everything. much. Mm-hmm. And now that I am coming out of that, I'm like, what a, what a gift to have gone through that again. Mm-hmm. Because prior to that, I remember... Um, someone interviewing me and they were a mom it was for a mom's column in a paper and they said can you tell me about your morning routine and I said well it's really important you know there's all these steps that are so important it takes two hours and she was just like bah I remember that she was like, retreat. come and talk to me when you've had a child yes. and and I thought That's wow funny. if I get two minutes to myself in the right. morning now so I thought okay I don't have two hours anymore mm-hmm. how can I scale what I did previously into a two minute or two second ritual and so that's really what I've been trying to figure out the past year and and I I'm not totally there yet but I really am in such a better place now Mm -hmm. and I think it's um so powerful for what I do I think it makes me a much more effective coach because now I can really understand you know you hear that parenting is hard But, like, that word doesn't even scratch the surface of how (laughs) bananas it is and how you are just taxed to the edge of your being. I just felt so broken and shattered, and I didn't know who I was, and I didn't think I could continue doing what I do because I was like, I'm a hot, hot mess. Right. Um, but I think that really qualifies me now. Even better. Um, mm-hmm. And in the future, when I, you know, I get better at figuring out how to be a good parent, I know I, I believe I'm a good parent, but uh, energized, joyful, you know, and right. and and more energized myself. And yeah. so that's really what this past year has been for me. So my daughter's 17 months now. And I've had almost a week of like six hour plus nights. So she, up until she was 16 months, I was still nursing her every two or three hours through the night. I hadn't had more than three hours of sleep in like 16 months. Mm -hmm. No, let's talk about sleep. My mom told me sleep deprivation is a form of torture when I had my son. And he was the same. He was up every two or three hours to breastfeed and just... And, and even after I introduced food and he wasn't only on breast milk, he still would wake up. Um, even in even after I stopped breastfeeding, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's a form of torture. It that, is. That's how people break you down to build you back up. Yeah, like I, cults use it. I'm. It's not like it oh, is torture. It is, and you are not yourself. No, you cannot cope with life. I mean, yeah, anything. And we all slough it off like, oh yeah, yeah. I can feel like my mom said that to help me, but on another day, she'd be like, oh, that happened with your brother. Like, we all go through it. We kind of make yeah. it this thing where, oh, every mother goes through that. Yeah, it'll get better. Yeah, I feel like a very large percentage of postpartum depression is that just the sleep depression. Mm-hmm. I um, I posted this on Instagram. I think she was, I don't know, a couple months old. I researched, because I'm also a journalist, mm-hmm. the CIA's guidelines on torture, yeah. sleep deprivation torture. And I meant to write it down. Um, it was something like they consider anything beyond 48 hours too extreme to be acceptable. Wow. Yeah. So 48 hours of not uh, complete sleep. Yeah. Jeez. And we're, there's people listening going on five years. I have a yes. friend who for five years her sleep was interrupted every yes. single night. My daughter, my friend's daughter is three and a half or four now and same yeah. thing. Yeah. Caden's three. He still wakes me up. So yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like a different person I when do. I wake up in the morning and he's not in my bed and he's just stayed in his bed all night 
it is it's eerie for a second like oh yeah. I hope he's in there <laughs> where is he and then it's like oh wow this is what it feels like it is yeah. completely different yeah. I heard my husband talking to someone about it and he was telling them what I'm normally like and what I'm like when I'm sleep deprived mm-hmm. and I I just cried so hard mm. just hearing him say what a different person I am yeah. and I'm not the nicest person <laughs> no none of us are no, you can't be no one you're is. not as patient and I mean yeah. it goes back to to your nervous system yeah. When you're in the stress response, all of your non-essential body systems, including your prefrontal cortex and your compassion and patience Mm -hmm. and problem solving, are are completely diminished. And so it's, yeah, I mean, my five pillars, mindset, movement, nutrition, sleep, and connection, I... I really was felt like mindset was the biggest pillar and the most important thing. But I, but now that I have undergone over a year of sleep deprivation, I... I, I don't know. That might be the most important pillar. And I don't think that anyone who is a new parent, maybe insomniacs go through something similar, but even mm. just a below normal amount, you know, like a less than seven to nine hours, whatever your body needs of sleep. Right. I mean, it really affects your and mindset. Really. I, I really believe that people are different. I believe that my daughter really needs 12 hours of sleep. And mm-hmm. I don't think Caden does. I think my son honestly doesn't need as much sleep as a typical three-year-old. And yeah. I think... Um, mothers are the same they're yes. like some mothers need 10 you know what I mean like I really need my sleep and I have a friend who the friend I spoke about who for five years had interrupt uninterrupted oh, sleep um she we took our children to gymnastics on Saturday morning and it was uh, in a different town but and early in the morning and I don't know if she's comfortable with me sharing the whole story so I won't share the whole story but uh, long story short, her husband came home he was working away and he came home unexpected in the middle of the night and woke everybody up so prior to that, she hadn't slept. So he came home at three, say three, kept woke everyone up for like three hours, and then they all went to sleep. So she, she maybe got one or two hours. Oof. And then she came to gymnastics and was, I talked to her, and then I went and talked to her husband, and he told me the story about how they'd all been up all night. And she didn't even tell me the story. Like it wasn't even on her radar. It was just like, oh, another thing. And she just continued on. And I'm not like that. I would not have been at gymnastics, A. I would have been home in my pajamas, like probably wallowing a little bit and how my husband <laughs> woke me up and like yes. complaining about it. But, and then she dealt with five years of no sleep and I don't, the, like the, what you described about being two different people, that's my own um, yeah. experience as well. I am not the person I want to be when I haven't slept, mm-hmm. but I don't know if she overcomes it somehow. And I, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to diminish her struggle like in saying that it doesn't affect her as much as it affects me and it's harder for me. But it seems like some people can handle it a little bit easier than others. Or they're handling it differently. What Maybe. I noticed with, with myself is that I kind of went through this emotional thing of initially just feeling really sad about mm-hmm. my new circumstance. Like, oh, this is my life now. Right. And then really angry. Mm-hmm. Really, and I, and I think it's interesting. I, like, I, I want to do the research on new parent rage because you can't be mad at your perfect child, yeah. but them being here has created so much challenge Upset. for you that mm-hmm. you're allowed to feel rage. Right. And I, yeah. I'm glad I knew that before because I would just, I would, I call it the rage workout. I would go to the gym and listen to loud music and just pedal on that bike just to literally save my life. I had yeah. just all this extra negative energy to, and then I noticed. I'm a crier. I cry all the time. I cry for joy. I cry for pain. I just cry, 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 cry. Yeah. Um, and I noticed a few months ago, 
that I hadn't cried in a really long time. And I thought, oh no, this is bad. This is beyond rage. I am now numb. Yes. I am so there. traumatized. I am so sleep deprived. My battery is so empty. I don't even, I have, my only coping me- mechanism is to be numb. And yeah. that's when I knew like, it was whoa, bad. I need to turn things around because right. I hadn't cried in months. Hmm. Um, and I think I cried every day the first three months she was born, yeah. and then every other day until she was nine months. Like that's very, that's very normal. But also <laughs> yeah. the hormones are going yeah, crazy. Yeah, totally. I know. Yeah, but but, uh, but yeah. yeah, that was my. So when I realized I was numb, um, and not numb, just numb in a way that I wasn't really connected to my feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I gave everything to her in the waking hours, and we did all you know all yes. the things and stuff. But just when I was alone with myself, I right. couldn't. I wasn't crying. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, how I dealt with it for a long time, mm-hmm. that I was just, just numb. numb. How I've are you? Been... I am great. How are you? Right. <laughs> like, I couldn't yes. even tell the story of how I was doing because I didn't know. Yeah. You were just, just yeah. blocking it yeah. to carry Which on. Which is unmindful. Yes. Yeah. And we know this is bad, but yeah. sometimes you you just... It's, it's a coping mechanism, yeah. like you said. I it's, don't think the first year, and I think it's different for all people, but for me it was not a year of thriving. It was pure survival hanging on yep. by my fingernails keeping your head above water yeah 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 i think that that's the experience of a lot of people especially yeah. after a traumatic birth i think that mm-hmm. is a big one because then you're physically recovering mentally recovering and also i forget where did i just read it oh it was on instagram um i'll have to share a link to the post because i want to give people credit but um this mother said you don't have time to process a traumatic no. experience as a mother. No. So you had a traumatic experience, which was the birth of your child, and then yes. you have to take care of this child. Yes. And you, you can't don't process it. Her child had almost died of an infection. And so she'd mm. gone through that. And then you're she has two other kids. She's not able to just sit there and cry in the tub like I did that night. She's yeah. she has to carry on. So she yeah. was talking about how she journals and she's gonna work through it slowly and you you kinda have to go back to it and like force yourself to go through those emotions and feel it and write about it, whatever, whichever yes. way you process. But yeah, we don't have time. And I haven't that's... had time yet. I, I just went to see someone, one of my gurus, um, mm-hmm. just a month or two ago now. And she was like, you have to process this. And I was like, but I don't really have time. Yeah. <laughs> no. She was like, you need to truth. make time. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah. you need to make time. <laughs> well. I'll do no problem. I'll book a weekend away <laughs> by myself. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the hard part. And then, and I feel like there's not a lot of space to be broken either. Like I went no. to an RMT who does also like kind of some energy work. And yeah, so cool. um, something came up for me and I was just bawling and she very nicely said like, I want to give you time to work through this, but also we only have five minutes left and we were in like an <laughs> office. It wasn't like she'd come to my home and I was like, okay. And I had to, it's like a, you let it out and then you have to shut it off. Right. Yes. Or like you're, I've been crying in my room before and my kids come in and I'm like, okay, I got to yeah. wipe the tears and yeah. carry on. But, and then, so I think then you just have to keep doing it, right? You have to keep yes, letting it come up. pieces. Yeah. It's like letting the bits. bathtub out. You only let, you're only allowed to let out three ounces a day and the bathtub's right. full. And, and then the bathtub keeps getting yeah. filled up yes. when they have an infection and almost <laughs> yeah. die. Oh my goodness. Yes. Just terrible. So yeah, th- yeah, that's a really good analogy. <laughs> just let a little bit of the tub out and then some more is going to come in, yeah. but just keep, to keep next going. day. Yeah. Yeah. I let think, a little bit more. I think that's a huge thing that, I mean, I I think so many women are traumatized by the birth of their mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. and years later, they're not dealing with that. I yeah. mean, it is, it, it, there's so much to process, especially if you are physically 
mm-hmm. injured, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's major. I yeah. mean, I'm still healing my pelvic floor. Yeah. And I mean, if you would have asked me before I had a baby, I was like, I have the best pelvic floor in the world. I just I mean, went, I have an easy I, birth. When's the last time I did Kegels? I don't know. <laughs> That's where my mind went. I don't, I don't know when the last time I did that. I got to do those. I did them on my walk here this nice. morning. Um, but but like that alone, yeah. I mean, That's a big I... One. I and it's so necessary and important if you so don't want to have further surgery yes. the rest of your life yes. really and it needs to be something we're comfortable talking with mm-hmm. um, I just started seeing this incredible clinical Pilates instructor and she was just saying like we were talking about looking at your vagina in a mirror and yeah. being aware of what it looks like and right. what it should look like and what yeah. it, and let, and watching what happens when you contract your pelvic floor right. and just like being as comfortable with that as you know your hand because well, it's an important part of your body. Right. And even um, if you had to look at your child's genitals, you wouldn't yes. shy away from no. that. But your no. own? Yeah. Like we're just, yeah, it's a societal, you know, thing it's we're trying so to change with using the correct names and totally. doing those things. I know I never even looked until after I had kids because I had stitches and then you have to look and make sure they're yeah. not infected or you can't like feel. So you're, yeah. <laughs> you feel like because everything's just hurts. So you yeah. don't know if it's like normal hurt or something going on I know and I have friends who are like oh I got my husband to look and I was like what wow (laughs) so we're so like detached from our body that it makes more sense to you to let someone else look like a doctor or like I have friends who are just like I just went to the doctor okay that's good like great that you're comfortable letting a doctor look at your vagina but maybe you could too I know get a mirror and squat over it daily I mean uh, the first time I had a really, 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 really good look was at three days postpartum, and I oh, had like, what's idea. the worst kind of tearing? One or three, or third degree tear? Or third degree is third the worst, degree, right? Like I burn. had that, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> and then you looked. No, <laughs> I told my midwife. She's like, you're not supposed to look till no. at least three weeks postpartum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, but now you know. know. Now I know. Yeah, and. Yes. I think that's like taking it back to like someone told you you got a third degree tear and you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. You kind of understood it, but you're like, let's yeah. figure this, this out. What this is, is my body. I want to yeah. know what's happening. And so I am, what I want for my daughter is like to have an intimate and comfortable and empowered relationship with yeah. her body, her whole life, whole entire body. Yeah. yeah. I think, and that's, I think that's the movement that's going, you know, it's moving that way. And there's an amazing um, sexual health educator that came to my daughter's school this year. And I was like, oh, this is so great that it's moving that way. And I, that was hard for me. Just like my daughter saying vagina to yeah. her instead of some other easier word. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then it was easier with my son, but, and it was hard for my husband too, because we, that's not how we were brought up. And yeah. it is easier to make some little cute name for it. Totally, and use but we that. need to be, yeah, we need to be calling things as, I mean, yeah. it, should, it should be like head and shoulders, knees, vaginas, and penises. Yeah. Like, that should be a song that we sing to our kids. <laughs> no parents would send me emails about that at all. They would not be in the principal's office, no. no. <laughs> okay, maybe don't oh, listen to me. I don't have your, your credentials. <laughs> but no, I mean, if, yeah, if a child comes up to me and uses a different term, I do, like, I do say, yeah oh, your penis is sore, you need to talk to your mommy about that. You know, I will, yeah. I won't like correct them and say it's called a penis, but I would yeah. just rephrase it using the proper word. And I think it's like, it's baby steps, right? It's nothing's yeah. going to change overnight. No. And it's, it's slow generationally. And my daughter, did I tell the story already? I think I did. But anyways, I'm going to tell it to you. My daughter said to my dad, who's like very, 
I don't know what the word is. Old school. He's like a man's man. He's a guy. That <laughs> whole thing. He, she said, oh, Papa, she's sitting on his lap, looks him in the eyes, like this beautiful blonde hair, blue eyed little, his first granddaughter. Do you have a vagina? <laughs> and he, he couldn't, he couldn't deal with it. He couldn't do anything. He looked at me. He looked at my mom, like, save me from this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was laughing. And then she's looking like, what? Like, she didn't say anything wrong, right? So yeah. if you react. Yes. And, like, if he had said something which he knew better. Because I was yeah. standing right there. <laughs> then to say, like, we don't say vagina. Or I don't know what he would have said. But I just said, no, Papa doesn't have a vagina. He's a boy. He has a penis. And then my dad had to leave the room. And it was <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but had he said, like, had he been like, what did you say to me? Or, you know, made it a bad, shameful thing, then... That could the end. growth doesn't happen, right? Yeah. She is just yeah. like two. She didn't know. She's that's just like, awesome. that's. I'm just wondering. She's just trying to figure yeah. it all out. Yeah. Girls have vaginas, boys have penises. So yeah. what do you have? Yeah. Oh, you're a boy. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Not nothing to dwell no, on. No, I know. Big deal. They don't. They yeah. don't dwell. They're like, no. this is what it is. They're in the present moment, which is, they're such great teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got an email from a listener named Trevor who said his five-year-old at school, the teacher asked, um, what's your favorite thing? And he said, my big penis. <laughs> and the dad wrote, <laughs> he has friends who call it a schlong, as if that's better than penis. I don't, no judgment, but I don't know. And so he said, at least we don't do that, because then at school you <laughs> said my big, I love my big schlong. Oh, so he said they were mortally, like, embarrassed, but I said that is funny, right? Yeah. And Embrace your favorite body part. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what if he'd said, I love my big thumbs. No yeah, one I love care. my luscious hair yeah. and my, like, great smile. Yeah. Like, why yeah. is it such a... I know. Yeah. I know. They don't know any better. That's awesome. It's Bless so him. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um... I had one more thing I wanted to share uh, with you and discuss, which is um, the quote from the retreat that kind of mm. rocked me the most um, was, your self-love is medicine for the earth. Mm. And I might pronounce his name wrong, but it's by Young Pueblo, mm. I want to say. Um, and one of the hardest lessons in life for me has been to not beat myself up. And it, I mean... I think for some people, they don't do that. Like, my husband really doesn't understand the negative talk that happens inside my head. Like, when I share with him what happens up there, he's yeah. like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> and Brene Brown says, like, look at the evidence. Mm. What What yes. is telling you this? And is there any evidence? Mm-hmm. Which has changed my life because all I ever do is, like, I, I've um, intellectually understand that I'm a good teacher and that... <laughs> Um, children respond to me and parents connect with me and I do all the things that a quote-unquote good teacher should do Um, but emotionally I feel like at any moment everyone's gonna find out that I'm a complete fraud and I'm terrible at being a teacher and and my husband's just like what like that's never because nothing in my life has given me any evidence of that so from his perspective like why would you even think that yeah and I don't know why I think it it's just in there and it's rattling around and I think just like perfectionist type A, that negative talk in your head is so unconscious and so relentless. And if, if unless we say, yeah, stop it, 
where's the evidence? Yeah. Right? What are the facts? Yes. Yeah, she says, like, the stories we tell ourselves are so dangerous, mm-hmm. and they are. They are not only for the relationship we have with ourselves, but other people. Right. Um, when Brene Brown was on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, God, I love that show so That's much. That's the best. She was giving an example. She was like, hey, what if after this amazing conversation and interview, we're walking away, and I'm saying, oh, that was amazing, such a great chat, and, like, Oprah rolls her ankle and then looks at Brene funny, and then Brene thinks, oh, my gosh, Oprah hates me, therefore I suck, therefore I should never speak, therefore I should write no more books. And then the next time they see each other, Brene looks at Oprah in a weird way, and Oprah's like, what's wrong with Brene? What did I do to her? And then their friendship just fizzles and fades away, and they think poorly of each other. Right because of some story that we just immediately jump to conclusions like our brain's negativity bias is so strong and it's important that it's that way because we're hardwired to survive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being negative allows us to be on high alert right look for, for danger for danger yeah but there's so much imagined and unreal and mental quote-unquote danger mm-hmm. in our in our life the text message or email that we take the wrong way the someone not responding to us that we take you know just there's so much that we can and so yeah we have to ask ourselves what are the facts and we have to try and get our brains positivity antenna which is the antidote to our negativity bias we need to grow that so that we assume the best right when we are not in actual physical danger we must assume the best because who is it that says your opinion me is not my business oh i don't know who says it but i love that good it's such a good one yes and so yeah what are the facts you're right. an amazing teacher. Everybody thinks so. Boom. And so story. just believe that. I don't. <laughs> my mind. I, even when you say it, I already want to be like. But yeah, I didn't yeah. teach this really well. I know. It's 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 you. It's a fight. It's it an is. internal and struggle. Learn, it really and this is. This is another Oprah lesson for me. Gosh, she's so wise and wonderful. Oh, is to just sit in the compliment right. and calmly say thank you just accept it and what just did you say, say in the retreat i am like if yeah. someone says oh you look so beautiful you say thank you i am <laughs> that feels so awkward yeah and uh, my friend kat who came with me on the retreat too we tried to do it so like when she compliments me and we just it's kind of a joke thing now but but it feels good it feels good to just yeah. take the compliment and not say, thank you yes there's um last summer i went to a wedding and i wore a dress that i've worn probably to like six or seven weddings <laughs> and but it's lovely and I like it and I got so many compliments and every time I said oh thanks it's really old I've worn it a bunch oh it's just like it's an old dress like n- not once of the probably 10 compliments that I got that night did I just say thank you and just sit in the compliment that I had gotten two children ready for a wedding plus myself gotten us there on time like why didn't I just think about all that yeah and how amazing you are there was um, someone at our retreat who um, is a fundraiser mm-hmm. and shared with us that um, in her her job can be really hard asking people for stuff right but she said what she's learned is that people genuinely want to give and to help mm-hmm. and when someone gives you a compliment you do them a disservice if you brush it off. They right. want to give you that little nugget yeah. of goodness. And by you accepting and just saying, oh, thank you, right, that that makes them feel good. If you brush it off, then they're like, oh, that probably was, like, I need yeah. to try harder. To yeah, you've <laughs> lessened their gift, yes. right? You, yeah, you, someone else said that. It's, like, it's yeah. like someone hands you a present and you're like, oh, yeah. throw it to the side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good analogy. I like that. Yeah. And yeah. then that act of you accepting the compliment grows your self-trust which Mm -hmm. is 
one of the and your self-perception which is one of the most important tools you can work on um, especially as a woman because we have so many balls and we're juggling so much and we're so hard on ourselves and we're often completely depleted which makes our negativity bias louder and louder that to build that self-trust and self-perception of like yeah Right. I do rock. I know. I did all this. It's stuff. such a culture of self deprecation. Like, it is. oh, I'm always late. Oh, I'm yeah. probably going to be late to this wedding, too. Oh, I'm, you know, instead of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be on time. And if I'm five minutes late, no one is even going to notice. So it doesn't even matter, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think we, yeah, we tell ourselves stories that aren't true. I say that to my daughter all the time, and I don't even listen to it. I'm saying, like, she's like, this kid was mean to me, and this kid was mean to me. And I say, oh, what did they say? Well, they didn't really say anything. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing right now? And then yeah. I say to her, you're telling yourself stories that aren't true. Let's talk about what actually happened. Like how amazing for her to what hear actually you say happened. that as a child. Well, right, but I can't do it for it. myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it for her. Maybe if I do it for her now, she'll yes. be able to do it for herself later. Yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, I think, and this quote was so powerful for me because um, – it, it really made me realize that, which I already knew, but taking care of ourselves has a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. your self-love is medicine for the earth. It's so much yeah. broader and bigger. But if we're in our passion and doing what we're meant to do and being the person we're meant to be and being joyful, that is what – it's kind of like that's what the earth wants. Yes. <laughs> if you want to get that's philosophical about it. Yeah. yeah. It that's really what, is. It's it's an energetic yeah, ripple out effect that yeah. everywhere you go, you are sprinkling that magic dust right. within your periphery, and you have no idea how where how those seeds go. Right? Yeah. 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 Where the wind will take right. them. Right. <laughs> I know. And then for me, it was initially just, oh, if I am a if I feel good, I'm a better wife. I'm a better mother. I'm a better daughter. I'm a better sister. All the things, all the hats. Yeah. I'm doing them without it being a struggle. Because everything yeah. in my life felt like a struggle for a really long time. Yeah. Like everything felt difficult. Everything felt hard. Everything felt like a faking itness. Mm-hmm. And so I think we get these messages from society like, so I came to that retreat. It was a weekend retreat. I came by myself. And then my husband did come meet me after for one night, but my kids weren't there at all. So they were without wow. me for three days and t- three nights. Wow. That's huge. And my parents are amazing, and they watch them, and they love it. But that's a long time, and they don't Mm -hmm. like it when I leave them. But I needed to do that, and it was was great. It was amazing. I got a lot from it, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. And what I realized is the little comments which happened at work was, oh, my kids are 15 and 13, and I've never left them overnight. And maybe she wasn't judging me, but in that moment, I felt bad. I felt judged. And my kids were great. They had an amazing weekend with their grandparents. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. But just that little comment was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have left them. And I didn't let myself go there. But years ago, I would have. I would have probably never left them again. (laughs) Like, I would have, like, (laughs) taken it in as a, I'm a terrible mother. How could I leave my children? But I think we just need to get to this place of, like, no shame, no blame. If I want to leave my children for three nights, I should do it. And if you don't want to until they're 16, if yes. that's when you're comfortable, yes. then okay. Yeah. As long as you're okay. That's yeah. cr- It fine. all goes back to your feelings. Someone yeah. was asking me a question about, like, what should I do about this or that or that? And I was like, the bottom line is how do you feel? If something mm-hmm. makes you feel good and it's safe for everyone involved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then that's a good thing for you. If there's something you think you should do and it doesn't feel good, right. there are a million other things you should. You could do. Yeah, is, should. Oh, should yeah. is 
the worst. And on the like opposite side of the leaving your children spectrum, my mom basically forced me to go out for lunch with my husband after my daughter was born and she was so little. And I remember the feeling to this day. I didn't want to go, mm-hmm. but she was telling me you should and it's like good for your marriage. And she, I mean, she's not wrong. You need time alone in your marriage, yeah. but it was really early and I didn't want to go. And the whole time we were there, I was just like, I, I was like vibrating in my seat. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be with my baby. Yeah. And so if it felt like I should have just said no. Yeah. And I, I didn't need to listen to the should. And she was trying to help, right? She saw yes. me struggling and she was like, maybe you just need a break. Yeah. But that's not what I needed, right? And yeah. so if, yeah, if we can listen. Yes, to we need to get comfortable voice. saying no. And mm. that's part of the curriculum too, is like, how do you navigate saying no? Um, Amelia Simmington Fetty, who's an amazing resource. Um, she's an incredible mother and she has a podcast, I think, and a book. Mm. Um, she calls it the radical inconvenience. Nice. Once you say okay here's what I need I need to take care of myself mm-hmm. it's rad it's inconvenient that's a radical act it's inconvenient right. for everyone around no you because they're used it. to saying oh yes 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 yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so when you start saying no people are like say what yeah but you're right when you are the best version of yourself you're kind or you're more flexible you're more, like everybody benefits from right. you being your your best self. your best um um I'm not sure how much we talked about at this retreat, but one of my last ones, I was it was all women and, mm-hmm. and many mothers, and I was saying, see your, in general, this is a huge generalization, but see your partner, your husband especially, as your spiritual guide, because men are so good at self-care that when the laundry's dirty, there's nothing to eat for dinner, the, kid, the people need stuff, they're just like, oh, well, I, I need to sit in my chair and read the newspaper. Do you know or, what they do? They just <laughs> go to the bathroom when they need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I, I had this conversation with the principal. Permission to poop. <laughs> I know. Like I, I yes. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. Can, can I you watch please, the baby? Can I please yes. go to the bathroom? I haven't gone in two days. No, I'm a teacher and a mother. I pretty much never pee when I need to pee. It's yeah. rare. It's very rare. And that's not that good I go for like her. I need to pee and yeah. then I go. It's like I need to pee. Well, recess is in an hour. I'll make it. Yeah. I yeah. can ask another teacher to watch my class for a second. Like there are other ways to do these things. Right. And, and so, we just. It's such a. And it, there's funny memes about it. and Yeah. But it is a mental shift. Yes. And once you step into that, that you're just like, okay, here's what I need. And I've just, yeah. and I, my husband's incredible. And I just, I wasn't asking for stuff. But now That's, I'm just like, today I'm showering. And I'm just like, ooh, I feel so powerful. I, know. I didn't ask to shower. Like, I'm just showering. I am going to shower. <laughs> I know. But we don't ask. I think that was me too. Yeah. And it you talked about how yours led to anger. Like, not having your needs matter when you were in it with Bronwyn in the beginning and mine went to resentment so he took the time for himself he did whatever he wanted Mm -hmm. whenever he wanted basically because I mean because everyone can do that yeah that is okay (laughs) and I didn't and I didn't ask for help I didn't Mm -hmm. tell him what I needed and then I just resented him for it and that isn't healthy either and then you're like putting it on someone else it's not his yeah. fault that I said I need to shower and handed him his baby. Yeah. It's his baby. Yeah, totally. He take care of it. Right. Sorry, she'll be fine. That was a big shift too. Yeah. Like my way of doing things doesn't. And oh. that was his biggest complaint was like, don't micromanage me. If you ask me to do something, I will do it. Might not be the way you want or yeah. the way that you would do it. And that's like that's hard. okay. It is when you're like type A perfectionist. Yeah. Asking for help. I that's been one of the most challenging things yeah. for me is that I know I need help, but I don't feel comfortable asking for help. I don't know how. I don't know exactly how that would look yeah. because I do it better than everybody. <laughs> but really, yes. I don't. I now, don't. when I just give him free reign, I'm like, oh, you actually did that way better. That's a way better way of doing yeah. things, you know? And it's My husband still says, did you put clothes up for that? Because I used to be so 
Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted them in their cute little outfits, and now I just don't even care. And, I mean, they have clothes. They're, they're all yeah. clean and they're clean, fine. Fed, yeah, loved. if it's in the drawer, yeah, it's good to go. <laughs> but before, I'd be like, oh, you put him in those pants for whatever. And so he's still, like, nervous that he's going to get criticized. And I'm like, no, I just, no, that's fine. There's clothes. Yeah. They're good. And it's so freeing, though. It comes back to, sur- to surrendering. Yeah. Yeah, to just believing that the universe is a friendly place and it's going to be okay if you're not holding all of the balls yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do everything yourself yeah 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 uh, that's a good place to end um i wanted to talk about um the online program you're launching though before we go it's so exciting um Catherine is launching her online program of her five pillars of health and wellness which are sleep nutrition movement mindset and connection so it'll be it will be on your website and people yes yeah and then yeah. they can just move through it at their yes. own pace. It's the of. same curriculum as my retreat, but yeah. I understand that it is wicked hard to get away for three days for anyone, especially yes. when you have a job, a child, a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be a six-week program that you um, can do over six weeks, or you can do it at your own pace if you if you need to take right. a little longer. And yeah, it'll be online in mid-September. Oh, that's so amazing. And the, the next wellness retreat at Oak Baby Hope beach hotel is january 31st to february 2nd 2020 mm-hmm. and yeah the, just the resort's amazing and oh. also the food i wanted yeah. to mention the food it was unbelievable it was so good it was the best food i've ever had and i'm not just saying that i wouldn't it was say that if it wasn't true incredible of yeah. what i feed people because it's one of the five pillars right. is really important and so i worked co- closely with the hotel to mm-hmm to supervise everything that went into people's mouths because it needs to not only be delicious but it needs to be nutritious your food needs to fuel you because it's it's not a relaxing weekend per se like you're doing a lot of hard work you're learning stuff you're processing you're talking with strangers about Mm -hmm. deep feelings there's Mm -hmm. so much magic and energy exchanged in the room that you need good fuel so (laughs) yeah yeah it was great and they any, if anyone had any dietary issues, that was the cutest thing. So great. There would be a little, little card with yeah. so-and-so, like Charlene's um, <laughs> scrambled eggs yeah. because I don't drink milk yeah. or something. Like it was, it was, yes. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park. park. Great job. And so did you. It was amazing. Thank you. I, yeah, I recommend that. And um, if you want to find out more about Catherine, it's thelifedelicious.ca and on Instagram at lifedelish, Twitter at lifedelish and Facebook, thelifedelicious. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying Playful Joy, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and tell a friend. You can email playfuljoypodcast at gmail.com if you have a funny anecdote or an issue or struggle that you're having. I'd love to hear about it. Also, please follow us on Instagram at playfuljoypodcast. Thanks for listening.